Hello again, it's Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyer's Hour. We're a radio show f- about real estate. And our biggest goal with this show is to go ahead and find other client advocates that are out there and true real estate, what I call heroes that are out there. Um, remotely, we have with us Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joey Matthews of the Federal Savings Bank. I'm sorry, Joey, my brain just locked up on me there for a second. That's okay. I should have took over and, and introduced myself. I'll live. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll do it then. I could just shut up and that way yeah. everything will be much better. What's going on, guys? Joey Matthews, NMLS, 1330694. Work over at the Federal Savings Bank. Cell phone 630-235-2405. That is the only piece of what I just said that matters. I'm always available. Text, call, anytime, day or night, Christmas, don't matter. And, Joey, your your phrase that pays, the key slogan for world's okayest, World's okayest mortgage, dude. Which I love, and I want to hear that over and over again like <laughs> tomorrow. So we did pick up a couple of sponsors to help us out with the show. So I'm going to give a little shout-out to Susie Whipple of Tasteful Adventures. Her phone number is 630-309-0370. She actually has these customized wine bottles. And, Joey, I'm thinking about buying these as well and giving them as a thank you present to our guest. And it's pretty cool. So it's pretty high-end wine that comes in here, but we get to put our little signatures and everything else so we could say thank you to them. And another one is going to be Anthony Pino of Metro Design Build. Uh, Their phone number is 312-535-0800. He's up in the Lincoln Park, Lincoln Square, Lakeview area. Um, Just really high-end gut rehabs that they end up doing. Um, I've worked at or looked at a bunch of their properties, and it's pretty amazing. So I want to give a shout-out to both of them. But now I want to go over to our guest. Our guest host has a background in construction and general contracting, which gives him an advantage when working with buyers and investors. He focuses mostly on distressed properties for sellers. He is experienced in the short sale process. His name is Steve Budzik, and he is the managing broker of his own uh, real estate firm called iCandy Realty in Mokina, Illinois. Steve, if you don't mind, give us a hello, give us some shout outs, tell us some of the people, you know, give us a little yeah, bit about yeah, absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, and, and thank you for just having me on the show. This is going to be really fun and exciting. I'm sure sh- I'm, I'm excited to share my story and big shout out to uh, my wife, Ashley Budzik and my two amazing boys, Noah and Stevie. I love it. So tell us about your business. Tell us more about this fix and list and and other things that come in there yeah absolutely so um you know we operate a little bit uh differently than probably your more traditional real estate broker and what we do is we created a a fix and list program which simply put is a program for sellers to sell their property for more money so let's say you're a seller and your home needs a little bit of work which no seller thinks their home needs work but no they're every exactly yeah. every every house needs some work what we'll do is we'll come out we'll analyze what repairs should be done uh, both cosmetically and even some of the things that you know that you guys would find right when doing a home inspection you guys, okay the home inspector exactly exactly and so we will put together a scope of work we'll put together a plan we'll pay for all of the repairs to be done and then we will list the property sell the property and get reimbursed at the closing. So, Did you ever hear about something like that, Joey, where the real estate agent fronts up the repair cost? Not often. <laughs> I, I don't think yeah. I've ever heard of it. Not, not at all. Not at Steve all. For a while yeah. on, on Facebook, and he's pretty active on all that stuff, so he ends up doing a lot of before, afters, even progress stuff. But I'm, I'm sorry, I get a little excited when we no, talk yeah, about construction. I'm a little science nerd when it comes to it, so it's please continue. Yeah, so it was just, uh, again, in some cases, you know, right, a property, first off, we know that buyers want a move-in ready house, right? They want that. They don't even want to paint. They don't want to change the carpet. Most buyers either financially don't have the money or don't have the resources or just flat out don't want to do it. And so we know going into a property, we can make specific repairs starting with the most basic from, from painting and carpet 
and outlets and switches and light fixtures and and we will keep going depending on what type of a return we feel like our client will get now you know backtracking when i started eight years ago my when, when i started in real estate i was working for a uh, a developer and my you know my position my role was the acquisitions manager where i would analyze you know what they need to buy the property for what the rehab budget is what type of rehab needed to be done and then what it could be sold for so coming it's a huge skill yeah so you know, that really gave me the leverage right moving forward to be able to just walk into any property and to know uh, not only what the cost would be right or, or off the cuff cost but also what buyers want and that's so I kind can, of important walk through any property and know, all right, this is what we need to do. Here's the plan. And uh, unfortunately, I've, I've seen some people that have tried to duplicate this and, um, and, and failed, right? And, and I think a lot of people fail for one of two reasons. One, they don't understand the market. Or two, they don't understand how to actually get the work done for a reasonable cost. Because anybody can go in and remodel your kitchen for, and spend $100,000. But if everybody goes and spends $100,000 on remodeling their kitchen, right, on a million-dollar home, there's really not going to be that ability to get that equity that's needed, right? So we can go into a $250,000 house and remodel a kitchen for, you know, 15, 16,000. That's cabinets, countertops, backsplashes, plumbing fixtures, flooring, paint, right? Everything, appliances. Um, you're able to create that equity for the seller, right? And they're the ones that are actually capturing all that upside so it's a real win-win and it's a win for the end buyer because we know the buyer wants this move-in ready property but how do you handle with all the changing construction costs how do you yeah. stay on top oh good so that that's that's funny that, <laughs> that you brought you that smile. up yeah, yeah because i haven't uh i haven't been to the store and probably i mean literally like three weeks and i was back in the store helping one of my guys out and I just get blown away every time I go into the store and see the pricing. So you really need to stay on the pricing because most when we're going into these properties, we're getting labor only bids, right? We're subbing everything out. We're supplying the labor. Again, we're trying to cut costs so that we can give our client wholesale pricing so that they can maximize their their return Absolutely. on the back end. Um, but construction costs have been, you know, we're, we're doing so many projects that we're in contact with all of our subs and so we have our pulse you know we receive the email when the cabinets go up you know our, our installers will call us when they say hey you know steve i've got to i've got to raise the pricing um most of the guys have been pretty good though right and you can always talk to them and say you know hey man can you can you cut me a slack on this one and then for the next one i'll know for instance my window guy you know he used to be you know we were charging 350 a window right and his prices went up i'm hey can you give me this price one more time and then yeah. the next time so keeping your pulse on the uh on the material costs is, is crucial you almost have to do that in order just to stay on top of you know what you're going to be offering your client as far as commissions and and recouping your expenses yeah because we're creating a scope of work and at the end of that scope of work is that bottom line and you know the one thing that no client ever wants is a change order or a change to that bottom line. No. Because they think that bottom line is it, you know? Yeah, it's, but don't they watch HGTV? Every <laughs> single episode on HGTV, something goes wrong, yeah. and oh my God, it's going to cost exactly. $10,000 to fix this stuff. Exactly. That doesn't happen they, with you? They, or? they forget about that piece, oh. you know? <laughs> they know everything goes wrong, but yeah. they forget about that piece. But no, we really, we do our absolute best to to really stick to that bottom line. And in most cases, when we're creating that bottom line, we, we sometimes have to be a little flexible and, and maybe trim this over here, do a little more over there. Give but, me an example. What do you um, mean? For an example, uh, painting, right? Okay. Let's say we all of our numbers have now come in and we're going to look at our painting line item and see, all right, what can we cut out? Can we not paint the ceiling or two in a bedroom? Can we do a paint match instead of changing the color? You know, can we save some of the doors in the trim and not repaint them? Okay. You know, uh, and, and still get a final product that looks good and is going to sell super fast. Nice. I love it. And then uh, tell me more about the financing portion. How do you handle, 
you know, all this financing that comes up in there? Do you have a rolling loan or something, or what do you do? Yeah, so we have some some private lenders that we okay. work with, um, and then most of our stuff is really self-financed. Um, in some cases, we work with a lot of investors where they will actually finance the construction cost for us, yeah. um, but every every property is is a little bit different, right? It depends on the seller situation, you know, how much equity is in the property, how how distressed is the property, you know, we're we're analyzing our risk too, right? Because we're standing behind this is how much it's going to cost and this is what it's going to sell for. Yeah. And when it doesn't sell for that, we have a problem. Yeah. Right? Hopefully I'm I'm glad you're in a good market right now. That's not really much of a problem for you now, is it? No, it's it's uh, you know we're we're always pushing the limits, right? Because yeah. our goal is to maximize. But we've been um, you know as of right now, you know we have never gotten stuck with a property nice. ever, right? Every single property have sold, and there has been a few times where some things have come up, but some unforeseen items that you just can't see. Let's say a property had termites. Right, and we didn't we didn't see that, but yeah. one of the home inspectors or the the termite inspector found it, um, things like that. But for the most case, most sellers are super super grateful and understanding if if there is some sort of unforeseen condition like that. Hey Joey, does um, I know you focus mostly on VA mortgages, but I also know you do all types of mortgages, and I think we brought this up before about construction loans mm-hmm. and construction mortgages. But before you get into that stuff, anything exciting this week as far as mortgage rates and the yeah. the banking <laughs> the, system goes? The climb is back. Yeah. No, oh, it's no. um no. So there was a lot of down pressure at, at the two and a half percent yield on the ten year treasury. So uh, mortgage backed securities they, they they were performing well for us. So we had some rate relief last week. However, uh little uh little uh geez. Dilliard, uh, she made some comments yesterday, like once again, the Fed just screaming for the rooftop, like, hey, we're tightening, we're offloading balance sheet, blah, blah, blah. So we, the, so the two and a half pushed through, it got up to 265 today, and then the Fed minutes are getting released in a couple hours here. So uh, I would imagine, you know, mortgage rates to once again rise uh, later on today. I'm not sure how much, uh, especially since, you know, Lail already made comments regarding what is happening yesterday um and really these are just the release of the minutes from the the meeting last month when they when they did raise the benchmark rate and they said they were going to do it six more times before the end of the year so i mean this is a bunch of information that we already know is being released um but i mean people are just going to find the little nuggets and freak out when it actually happens um was ringing like there's no tomorrow yesterday so i think that's when all these announcements were coming up there it seems like you know, people want to sign right away as soon as they're afraid those rates are going up. I don't know if you see that on your end or not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I do. I do. Everyone wants to get the contract in immediately. They want to lock it immediately, which makes sense, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe we'll see more down pressure once we get close to three. But outside of that, uh, right now, I think we're on a clear path to three. There's a lot of people that are prognosticating that it'll get to six, which would be insane because the yield would get to six, not rates. If the if the yield's at six, rates are at like eight. But um, yeah, there's 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 plenty of people, plenty of people who are you know so fearful of a recession. But I think even in a recession market, the ten year treasury isn't going to pass three and a half top end. Um, okay, but that's just me. That's just me. And if, if that's where it's at, then rates settle it, you know, somewhere around five and a half to six. That's high doable. End. That's not so bad. You know, for sure. I, for I sure. keep comparing back to 1991 and when I had that 21% interest uh, mortgage on my house. I know. Wow. Uh, thank God yeah. that's an adjustable rate mortgage and it kept dropping. So, but yeah, it was. it's unheard of what we have here. What do you know about some sort of construction loan just in case somebody wants to do what Steve's doing, but they want to kind of do things on their own. They want to fix things up when they buy it. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely construction loan products uh, on our end. I have one going on right now. Um, for us, we have to get the the GC approved to build for the bank because the bank is lending the money. We want to make sure that they, you know, all their accounts payable are up to date. There's no major derogatories um, or uh, or reporting against m- missed payments to subcontractors. Um, what but- if you lose the GC though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the then, deal. I mean, it happens. I know I did a lot of two hundred threes, and 
Yeah, the the buyer or the owner of the home, they would just get upset with the contractor and everybody just quits? Never. Yeah. What are you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? What are you uh, saying, Steve? No, Feed off of that, yeah. you know? What do you mean never? There's emotions involved in construction? Uh, yeah, jeez. Yeah. It sounds like you and I both speak two languages, English and sarcasm. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I actually had a question for Joey. Like, you know, I know this, Joey, you probably have this asked you all the time, but where where do you see rates by the end of the year? I mean, By the I end of the year? Question. Yeah, by the end of the year, assuming a, I mean, we're, we're going to be in a recession. There's no doubt about it. Like we're going headlong into a recession. Inflation got way too high and mm-hmm. the gov is getting way too hawkish on, on fighting it, which is going to lead to a recession. And that's fine. Um, I don't believe we would push through six. Honestly, I think the highest we would go is potentially six, but I think there would be significant pushback at MBS pricing that high, significant pushback. I mean, it, it would literally be what, a, a 15 year high on rate. And when you're I, saying I just, six, you're talking MBS and not mortgage rates, right? Cor- yeah, I'm talking, so I'm talking about mortgage rates. Oh, okay, yeah. good, that's not so it, it, bad. No, I, I, I agree, but when, when you have, you know, um, uh, God, the last three years of people just expecting rates at threes and twos. I mean, it's the end of the world for them. The other piece is like the last time rates were at six. I mean, well, granted it was right before the housing crash. So values were actually a little bit less than where they're at now, but, but repayment on that, people are definitely getting priced out that have been shopping over the last year. So you're going to see more cash flow into the market. There's going to cash buyers are really going to be winning significantly. And then people getting mortgages are going to start backing off because they think they're overpaying. Um, from what I've seen, but but realistically, if, if you can afford it, at the end of the day, the, the the market has always worked in waves, right? So rates go up, rates go down, rates go up, rates go down. Yeah, you're buying with rates higher than where they normally would be. And I think in the next year or two, we're going to see a significant refi market again. Um, I would say rates coming back down into the, maybe the threes and fours for people that end up buying in fives and sixes. But yeah, there's, there's going to be a big refi market in the next year or two too, as well. And I don't see values dropping. There's just so much demand and so little supply. I mean, housing starts are still 3 million houses behind. It's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. That is crazy. I don't know. Steve, um, how many projects you got going on right now? Uh, Actively, like, working on? We usually run with between 10 to 12. And then there's another probably... Uh, 15 that are like, you know, being sold or on the market. Nice. So that's, yeah, around 25 kind of in, in the pipeline at all times. And what's the average that it takes you to do, you know, I, I know you don't, well, I shouldn't be putting words in your mouth. You do not do gut rehabs. Is that a true statement? or? Yeah, we definitely try to stay away from those. There's too, way too many variables. Timeline mm. creeps up on you, and it exhausts our resources, right? I mean, how many gut rehabs can you do comparative to you know, cosmetic, paint, carpet, cabinets, you know. most homes really don't need a full gut rehab anyway, do they? I mean, you got to have some pretty bad leakage and water damage and neglect for something to get to that point. You know, you've got the 100-year-old home that you thought everything was updated until you opened the plumbing wall and there's no vents. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one of those things where, of course, you could cover it up and leave it, but we know that that's not the right thing to do, right? So now you're ripping open all the plumbing walls to put the vents in. And do you run them all the way to the outside then? Yeah. Put all the way, you don't don't just bury an automatic air... Yeah, exactly. You know, most villages are really cracking down on the point where you can't even tap into an existing vent. They, if, if you touch the vent, they yeah. want it replaced all the way through the roof with PVC. Interesting. Yeah. So there's some villages that there, there was a village that I recently worked in where uh, we touched the galvanized and they said, if you touch it, you have to replace all of it, which means that we had to gut a bathroom that we weren't planning on gutting. That's not good. Right. Yeah. Now we get into that gut rehab and the price just starts going pretty high up in there. Exactly. So we we really focus on more of the cosmetic, right? And and it can be a, a heavier cosmetic where it's you know flooring, paint, trim, doors, cabinets, things like that. You've seen a lot of cabinet model. projects in your 
in your videos that you put on there? You know, cabinets are, are such a sticking point, I feel like, for a lot, but we just have it so pinned down. Nice. We've got a great supplier. It's super easy for us. You know, we, we sub out, you know, we get it from, obviously, our supplier, and then we have a separate guy hang it. We have our granite guy install the uh, countertops, and then we have a separate guy do the backsplash, and then we kind of button everything up, right? Nice. Put in the appliances. So it's super fast for us, yeah. and we can do it very economically it almost sounds like you're you're working like henry ford and getting that assembly line going exactly. one in one out exactly and That's keep working goal. through there what's give me some uh give me a success story you know give me some numbers when it comes to you know you had a family they had a house they couldn't sell it you walked in here you know this is what they were asking for and what did you end up asking for and how much did you put into it yeah please yeah, so a lot of success stories, to be honest. But the the recent one that sticks in my mind was in where was that? That was Oak Forest. It was a uh, it was a bigger split level with an addition, and it was an estate sale. Mm-hmm. And the family was up in the air: should they just sell it as is, or they didn't really know what our fix and list program could do for them. So when we came out there, we analyzed it. We said, listen, if you sell it as is, you're probably one seventy five, right? And fixed up. We created a $21,000 budget, and we ended up selling it for $247,000. What was that first number again? The as-is was one seventy-five. You put twenty-one into it. Put twenty-one into it. Sold it for so one ninety-two forty-seven. Actually, it was two forty-seven-five. It was multiple offers, and it sold for over asking price. But that was a three-week. That was a three and a half-week project where we painted the whole house, refinished the hardwood floors, replaced the carpeting, you know, did outlet switches, cover plates, light fixtures, right? All that stuff, vinyl in the kitchen, cleaned everything up. Um, but that's just, I mean, that was amazing That's a pretty good family. success. And the family, you know, they tripled their, am I right on that? They tripled their, yeah, their profit I mean, on that house? Essentially, we increased the value by seven, a little over $70,000 with a, with a twenty. $21,000 budget so that bad. we paid for, right? We yeah. paid for Well, you for recouped the it, right? I exactly, exactly. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't just give your money away out of the commission. 100%. You know, we're in business but, to make a profit. That's okay. But the seller didn't have to manage, hire, or fund yeah. the project whatsoever. Yet they still walk away with a good forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 extra that they didn't have if they would have just gotten rid of it. Exactly. Nice work. Exactly. You know, and you repeat that over and over again. Over and over. I mean, we had another one, another cool story was in, I mean, I was up against the top agents in Illinois, and I show up just like this, you know, jeans and t-shirt. That's my list. I have no yeah, listing. But you're branding. You're doing good. You no listing presentation. <laughs> I just can't come in there. And uh, I was following up with this lady for five years and she couldn't sell her house it was listed we went out there and we we created a plan for her we not only you you asked me a question earlier before about you know will we do the repairs while the people while the homeowners are living in the property typically the answer is no Mm -hmm. because it's more difficult and it will cost the seller more money because we have to do everything almost twice right um but this this seller was moving out of state but she needed to sell the property and she didn't have any money to move. So we not only advanced her the money to move out of state, well, we then paid for all the repairs, put the property on the market, sold it. We were able to get rid of that debt because that was a big burden on her on her shoulders. Nice. And while she didn't make a killing on the back end, she never was going to make a killing. The goal was to get rid of the debt and move out of state. There, it would have been impossible for this client to do that without us because nobody was willing to advance her the money. That's actually hero stuff. Yeah. You know, seriously, you're, you you really help she somebody was, in a financial need. She was literally you know? crying. She said- Crying the, happy. Crying happy at the yeah. end. Um, it was an emotional roller coaster as it is for a lot it of is. transactions. Yeah. But, you know, Ooh. she said, you saved my life. That's you know, awesome. and, and it was really true because she was in a tough- tough spot. I've always said this business is pretty rewarding. Let's just take a short break right now. Joey, if you don't mind, give us some contact information. Yep. Uh, Joey Matthews, the Federal Savings Bank, 630-235-2405. And I'm on all the social medias that I need to get better at using. (laughs) Right? I'm actually, I'm thinking about hiring my stepchildren to start taking over all of our social media stuff too. 
Um, Steve, contact information for you, please, and thank you. Yeah, sure. So Steve Budzik, iCandy Realty, cell phone 630-935-0700, and you can find me anywhere on the <laughs> That's internet. The I believe that. And I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehomeinspectors.com. And that's T-H-E, I'm sorry about the Chicago accent, and it's plural, O-R-S, and it is a .com. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. So I want to get back more on, and um, I'm going to call it hero stuff, you know, that comes in here. So give me another good story. You know what? The hell with that. Give me a bad story. Give me something where, yeah, let's start, let's start bashing on home inspectors right now. I love to beat up on those bad guys. Uh, a bad story about a, a home inspection or yeah. or somebody that did a, a thing on your property that you ended up having to either prove that it was okay or something else that was a, a whole bunch of little tiddly things that I don't know yeah I mean it, it's a it's I have a love-hate relationship with home inspectors Uh-oh. right because I'm always the one reviewing these reports either yeah. either on my own projects or, or with my clients and some of the things are just way, way, way out there um, on on these home inspectors. I mean, they they I've had it all where they said that we couldn't insulate, you know. And, and again, right, whatever the home inspector says is is the holy grail, right, for the for the buyer because they don't really know. So they're mm-hmm. taking everything that this home inspector. You guys is telling really them. think so? Oh yeah. I'm on the other right? end of this thing, I feel yeah. that you know so many people. You know, they don't actually believe anything that, you know, we say. We get that happened a lot. But anyway, give me an example, please. You, you would be surprised, though, because I think looking at it from the perspective of the, the buyer typically knows nothing about a home, right? Good point. And so home inspectors will sometimes throw out numbers, right? Oh, this is going to cost. I, I had a guy and I was standing right there and he was telling my client that, oh, and this was probably four years ago. Oh, you need a new furnace. That's going to cost you, you know, $5,000. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's like, not. Yeah. You, can't, you can't say that. Like, how can you even say that? I'm it's sure. a hard thing. I get it. You know, when we did our remodel, I like to tell this story a lot. You know, we're up high on a hill and it was a total gut rehab, tore the roof off and everything else. We never got water in the basement, and but I still were going to remodel it sometime. So I wanted to put it in a perimeter drain tile, right? Yep. I got a plumber out there and they quoted us 2500 bucks and that's putting breaking up the concrete putting the drain towel in the dimple board putting a sump pump running the electric to everything you know and getting it out of the house and i went to a couple of the companies that you'll see a whole bunch of billboards on the tri-state for and one of the companies i'm actually personal friends with them you know and i wanted to hire their company to go out and do this stuff they were at ten thousand dollars and you know, so those prices, when people start quoting them, you know, I used to tell people it was a 300% difference. Now it's four. Yeah. 400%. So, and we were kind of talking about that on furnaces. You know, we got one flipper that I, I end up working with, and I hate using that word flipper, you know, but whatever. He buys houses and he fixes them up and he does kind of like what you do, but he holds them and he does them for his own inventory. And... um he gets the the furnaces installed for twenty five hundred. Yeah, that's great. You know, I've you know up by me on the North Shore, you know, the normal price is somewhere around four grand, but I've talked to contractors that are in eight thousand. Yeah. You know, so those it, it's hard to give one set number. I'm sorry to jump up, but you no, know, it, it's it's I, true, yeah. and 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 that that's where in lies the problem because there's no clarification, right? We're we're standing in the basement looking at a you know, a 15-year-old furnace that's an 80% furnace right. for a 2,000-square-foot house, it, it's not going to cost that much money, right? Not I for could, an 80%. I, I could make one phone call for my client, and so he was going through the house, pointing out all the flaws, and then putting a price to it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, dude, you know, like... And so it's it's that love-hate relationship, because I understand he's looking out for the client's best interest, but yeah. it's kind of like we, what we talked about before. If you're a buyer and you you were able to negotiate, you know, 20 or 30 or $40,000 discount, if if some, if there's a defect, there's a defect. I mean, we're in a, we're in a seller's market right now, so right. you have to be careful what you ask for 
because the seller could very quickly cancel that contract. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that. And, and I always miss him when Vince isn't here to share the legal side of this stuff. Yep. But he always brings it up. I shouldn't say always, but he brings it up every now and then where every time you ask for something, you're actually opening up the agreement. You're opening up the negotiations for two ways. Counteroffer. And yeah, so they, they could come back and they could say, well, you want 20,000 off? Well, I want 20,000 more. All right, otherwise we're gonna break the deal. So it's... Yep, and I've had deals like that yeah. where I told the other agent, I said, listen, I'm just gonna be pretty straight with you. If you ask for one thing, if you, I, I was actually selling my uh, fam, one of my family members' house. I said, if you ask for one thing, we are canceling the deal on you. And I'm not threat. It's not to be no. a threat. It's, it's your position. It should leverage you. We have. Yep. We have another offer that's yeah. actually higher than yours. And if you guys ask for one thing, we will cancel the deal. But that's actually good advice. The more I'm thinking about it, as, as listening as you say it, you know, I'm trying to picture myself as the buyer, and I want to go ahead and negotiate. And if my agent, my advisor is telling me, says, listen, if we ask for something, they're just going to cancel it. It's going to make me think twice about what they're doing. They already have another offer. They made this clear. You know, they're letting, they want to proceed with you, but you're going to have to take it as it is. That's, yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. You know, get it out there in the open, get it out there out front. I'm big on transparency when it comes to that stuff. And then, mm -hmm. Joey, how much trouble did you have? You just sold your house recently, right? Yeah, I mean, there was inspection items, but uh, I mean, none of it, it. It was all things that had previously been addressed. And I, all I did was I just sent them like invoices for, you know, things that had been done. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it did nothing, though. We did, we, did, we did nothing for did whatever they find they anything for. that I didn't find when I did the inspection? How many years ago was that? That was five years, almost five years. Nothing changed, yeah. I assume, right? It was all still the same no. condition? Oh my God. No, we, we, we put so much money into different things into that house. Like yeah. it was, it was uh wild. I replaced all the furnaces, all the ACs. I replaced all the hot water heaters, like all, all the ugly work. I replaced all that stuff. And then my wife did all the pretty work, new hardwood floors, new mm. organic carpet, this, whatever, you know? So we, yeah, I mean, there was just, but the, the basement still lives in 1967. So there's that. There's nothing too bad about that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm a product of the '60s. Blast I don't from past. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool walking downstairs into another another century, another decade. Yeah, the funny thing is, when we remodeled our kitchen, you know, did I did I ever tell you I put an orange refrigerator and an orange stove and range hood in my house? That's bold. Yeah, no lie. That's very bold. <laughs> so I wanted tell yellow. Us more. She wanted orange. Um, I'll throw a plug out there. So see if I can remember the name of the company i know they were out in colorado and we were doing but we liked it i think that's called mid-century modern right when you get stuff that looks like it's from the 50s or whatever the case is and um man i can't think of the something chill big chill that's what it is so if you do a google search for big chill and they sell refrigerators range hoods dishwasher covers and stuff and it's all brand new appliances, you know, so they're not older and stuff like that. They got the ice makers and everything built into them. But, you know, if you could think of those handles that you pulled, you know, those big locking handles on yep. the refrigerator door, they put that on there and, and it's whatever color you want it to be, they'll paint it. And I I don't know, I'm, I'm a cool. nerd, like I said, I just like all that old stuff. So yeah, I can walk into my house, which I know everything is new and modern, but seriously, it looks like it was built from the 50s and 60s. But that's what I want, you know. Does that make me a bad guy, Joey? I don't know. Not at all. I love your house. Your house is in a great spot. So, it is yeah, in I a love good your spot. House. Yeah, we yeah. got great neighbors as well. Everything makes it wonderful and stuff. But um, not saying that we're where Steve does most of his work. And where do you do most of your work? I would say right now a lot of our work is in the South Burbs. And you try to stay there? You know, we try to stay close to home, I and mean, we've got stuff going in River Groves, you know, South Shore area, Riverside, Country Club Hills, Chicago Heights. That's you pretty know, spread New out. Yeah, it's even it's, if you get rid of the River Grove, which is up this way. Yeah, and all the other ones are still pretty far out. You know. Yeah. Nice. Does he? Do you find you do more work in one area over another? Or? I wish that was the case, yeah. but uh, really pushing to just keep it as close to home, just for logistic reasons, you know, for the yeah. guys, for going from project to project. It's uh, if you're spending more time in the car, you know, you've got to be 
making that money. So no, you're, I not, got it. you're not making it in the car. But um, yeah. Then, then we made poor Steve drive all the way up to Jefferson yeah. Park here for the show. <laughs> you know? So in the rain, <laughs> I know, uphill, oh, barefoot, both ways. Yep. You know, well, now we're going to get into my parents' stuff and and uh, talking about walking to school. And whenever I complained about that, that was always the the barefoot, uphill, both ways, and stuff like that. Um, so tell me about. I was doing a little bit of looking on your on your website and stuff. What made you want to get into the EMT stuff and the did you go to become a paramedic or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my background is I graduated. I, I hated school, right? Who didn't? I, I used Who's to hide. <laughs> I used to hide behind the tree when the bus came, and then tell my parents the bus never came. It never came. <laughs> I don't know where all those other kids yeah. went. <laughs> so my grandma, my gra- my poor grandma would have to drive me, and I was late, and I was always getting it. The only thing I ever got in trouble for is school is just being late and yeah. and not not coming. So I never liked school. So I graduated. I I immediately uh, I jumped in the union. I was in construction for for probably four or five years I worked with some big outfits down in the city and um, and I said you know what I don't I don't really want to just beat beat the crap out of my body the rest of my life right so mm. I started going to school I, I went to get my uh, EMT license emergency medical technician and uh, I was able to get a job at that time my dad worked in the uh, at a hospital and uh, I was able to get a, a job in the ER so that was cool that's cool that was really cool yeah and uh, the pay wasn't cool, but it was cool. And I knew it was a step. I knew it was a stepping stone. And and then while being there and doing some some part time construction, I uh, I went and got my paramedics license. Nice. And um, and then I worked on an ambulance. And it was honestly looking back on it now, the one thing that it helped me the most with was my communication skills because you're in you're in some pretty you know high pressure situations where you're basically, you know, you're calling into the the hospital, telling them what's up, what's going on, what you're bringing in, and if you don't communicate that effectively, yeah. trust me, that nurse is gonna chew you out. I got a 55 year old male, approximately 250 pounds. A and O times three. A and O times three. <laughs> you know, vitals are 120 over 80. Exactly. I've done it for a few years as well. I know yeah. the routine. But tell me, and I think I already know the answer. How does that convert over into the real estate business? How does it convert, like in terms of the skills that I learned or gained, or just yeah. what was my my progress from? So I was working as no, a paramedic. The skills. the skills. I want to go from there, and maybe let me help you a little bit. Yeah. You know, you mentioned about the communicating with the hospital. You have yep. to be clear. You have to be concise. You have to be emotionless when you when you're doing these things. All right. And even when we're talking with our client, we need to be more focused on our logic side of our brain and not so much on the emotion. Yeah. And because buying a home is a very emotional process, and that's where I was going with this. So tell me how that helps you with some of your communication with your clients. Yeah, I mean, it, it's actually quite interesting because even working in the ER, I've seen some really weird stuff, like really, really from stabbings to, to people coming in fully charred head to toe yeah. uh, to seeing crazy stuff, right? And so you have to just understand like that that can't bother you right and so now when i'm working with clients i mean i've been yelled at and screamed at and, and called names that people are just in a they're they're in a they're they're a wreck right they're an emotional state is the way i look at it and so yeah. it just doesn't bother me right and a lot of people always ask me like how do you stay so calm and i'm like well it's it's them like they're not they're not really upset at me they're just in this they're in this place right now that they need to get out of and so it's very easy for me to navigate with any client um to the finish line because i i am seeing at all times where the end zone is and even if we're crawling even if i'm dragging them we're we're getting there (laughs) you know we're getting there together yeah because at the end of the day once you do get there then they're so happy then they're so thankful um so it's uh just that background really put me out of my comfort zone because when i was growing up i was i was very very shy and quiet growing up in school isn't it amazing how we change as adults and but only because i was forced out of my comfort zone right which is a big deal 
And, when and I, getting out of your comfort zone you is think, a big deal. You know, I'm I'm 36 right now. I was 18 years old. I looked like I was 12 years old when I was 18, and I got into the union. Can you believe this, Joe? He's only three years younger than me. These guys in the union would used to just tear me apart, right? Because that's how the union guys are. They just... Yeah. They bust chops all day long. And same in the firehouse. It was that way there. Same in the firehouse. And that's yeah. what they do all day. And so it was a lot of different things in my life, you know, progression. And a lot of things helped me, right? Construction helped me, right? The communication helped me. All bringing me to today into real estate. And, um, you know, primarily dealing with the either investors or, um, which I love working with investors because it is so black and white. Really? There is the the least amount of emotion when yeah. you're working with it's the all investors. Business. Yeah, it's all business. And they, it's, they're it's the more for the numbers. And they, they usually yeah. ask me, which is my favorite question, what do you think, Steve? Well, this is what I think. And they yeah. say, all right, that sounds good. Let's do that. We can't do that in our, in our end. We yeah. can't tell, give anyone any advice on whether they should proceed or not proceed. We, it's actually against the law. Oh, is oh it? Yeah. yeah. In the state of Illinois, home inspectors are not allowed to tell somebody if they should or should not proceed with the sale. Yeah. It's, is, am I a bad person that I actually know that law almost word for word and I could pretty much recite every paragraph in it? Yeah. You know, we have to negotiate with that stuff all the time. But Joey's been in the military um, in the past and, you know, in the fire service, they were teaching us about the brain working emotionally and logically. It, it can't do them both at the same time. And so we always try to keep everybody focused on the logic side of the brain. For sure. Because once the emotions kick off, then it's, you know, it's almost like the same thing in road raid. You yep. know, when you see somebody lose their temper because they got cut off and now all of a sudden they're using that vehicle as a weapon or God forbid, mm-hmm. you know, somebody pulls a gun out somewhere else. It's it's scary. You know, and it gets at a point where I'm just hitting the brakes and I'm getting the hell away from this person and let them run away and. You know, I don't want to be dealing with it. But the same thing happens in the real estate transaction, you know. Yeah, 100%. Once oh, yeah. somebody feels that they're wronged in one which way, it's, it doesn't matter what can happen. or it, it It's almost like wanting to be vindictful in a certain way. And we have to kind of, I don't know, I kind of try to keep people from getting to that state. Yeah. Well, and I love what you do, what you were telling me earlier about how you actually, you know, you're doing a Zoom call now with the with the Shh. buyer. Don't give out all my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just reviewing. I mean, you're you're reviewing the report with yeah. the client like I feel, you know, really needs to be done. Because if a deal is going to fall apart, typically it's going to fall apart during the attorney review period and mainly due to home inspection related items. Very, right. you know, and, and Joey would would be able to better, you know, tell us this, but not many times are people getting a, a loan denial. I mean, obviously we see it, and I don't know how many times you're seeing it, Joey, hopefully none um, with, with your clients, but, you know, it's people lose a job, things happen, but most of the time the deal's going to fall apart during the home inspection. So the more educated the buyer can be, Right. Because typically the buyer loves to review the home inspection report Mm -hmm. with the attorney, which I believe I love attorneys, but they should be the last person reviewing the report with the client because they never have seen and never will see the property. It makes zero, zero sense to me. Yeah, good point. But the agent or I said the buyer puts the attorney on a, on a higher pedestal. And I'm not, I'm not saying an, uh, an agent, I think everybody needs to know their role. And when I'm working with uh, some of my attorneys, they tell me that Steve, I, I love working with you because you, you run the show and you take the lead. You take the lead on that. We try to negotiate between the agents and then we, we reconnect with the attorneys. We tell them this is what we're going to do. And then yep. it totally streamlines the uh, attorney review prep. Period. But doesn't it make sense or, or at least common sense? At least it does to me. You're involved with the client. You're the one who's going to be able to see it. You know the market. And when I say you, I'm talking about real estate agents in general. You know you know the history of the client. You know, their, you know the needs and wants of the client. Now all we have to do is channel and funnel that by getting the needs of the seller and wants of the seller. You know, we already know some things have happened. Somebody wanted to sell a house. Somebody wanted to buy a house. They came together. They agreed on a price, you know. You would think that the one missing link link is 
there are a decent amount of agents, and I'm not trying to put agents down. Oh, that's right. But they, but they love <laughs> to just throw the inspection report to the attorney, and they yeah. don't yeah. they don't want to deal with it. And I ask and them, I listen, like can we can we between us, the agents, yeah. come to an agreement on any request? No, the attorney's going to handle that. And I'm like, mm. why? I, I, I couldn't agree more. And Joey, two words that begin with L's. Joey, what is your big pet peeve in your in your lazy role? lenders, man? Lazy, lazy lenders. lenders. No, I figured I figured that would come back around when Steve Steve said uh, borrower denials. I've actually never had a borrower denied. So oh gosh, thousand something amazing. transaction. Yeah, no, it's He's everything can be handled up front. Huh? Joey's an overkill, though, Steve. He's yeah. not. He's, again, he's not lazy. You know, the bottom line is he knows what needs to be done. He does all this paperwork and everything else upset. And, and interrupt me and shut me down anytime I'm speaking incorrectly, Joey. But he gets all that stuff done ahead of time. Yeah. So that now when it goes to underwriters, he's he is basically the underwriter. He got all that, you know, that stuff that's going to be the curveball that's going to be thrown. He already threw it. Yep. So now if it's going to die, it's going to die before you even put the contract in you yep. know it's not going to die because of the lending and me you know as far as i'm concerned we got home inspectors out there still today that are doing three four home inspections in a day you know they're zipping in and out in an hour you know they're going to tell you what well, we're hunting for defects with an elephant gun and not a sniper rifle and then you got the complete opposite which is our company you know we're only going to do one a day and per person right and bigger houses will send multiple people in there but we're going to be on site for three hours, maybe four hours. We've actually been there for five hours. You know, if the client mm -hmm. wants to talk, if the house is in that bad of shape, this is the whole reason why we don't schedule the second inspection in that afternoon, because I don't want to rush my client and get out of there to go getting to a second appointment. So we're only going to focus on one per day. And that works for us. That's nice. the, we sell that. That's the expectations. We meet and exceed those expectations of our clients. And they're very happy with us. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. And it, I'm hearing the same thing with you, though. All right. It's getting involved, talking to the clients, set those expectations. And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm sorry. I'm bloviating no, over here. No, no, 100%. And into I think what, what we were leading into with Joey is, you know, not having ever a... Uh, to give a loan denial. I mean, technically, the underwriter gives that anyways. But... Yeah. Uh, I feel that it, you're almost like conditionally approving, it sounds like, right? You're doing all that front load work to, to smooth line the back end process, right, Joey? Yeah, for sure. It, it, and the bank does offer a, uh, a product where we, we underwrite a file before we even pre-approve, right? It, it's, it's an underwritten pre-approval. I have not personally used the product. I know that it's a great product to have, and I know a lot of our competitors use it, and I, I probably will end up having to to make more offers like cash offers. However, whenever I get a new file, I, I scrub it. I scrub the hell out of it. I'm, uh, I'm looking at my automated underwriting findings. I'm making sure I'm looking over, over income deposits, especially with self-employed. I make sure I have a solid income worksheet. Um, I... I like to say that my, my pre-approvals are pre-guarantees. I mean, I've literally, if, if I'm pre-approving it and like the house is, is good to go, that it's going to close. It, mm -hmm. it, it just period. I've never had a borrower denied. I would, I would, I would be too embarrassed to continue in this industry if I ever had a borrower denial, if I'm being honest. I, I honestly would be afraid to be one of your loan originators working under you because I, I know I would probably make a mistake and screw up and I'd actually be afraid of that. Because you're so adamant about getting all the T's crossed and I's dotted. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a little more lenient with our guys. I know they're going to make mistakes. We just try to do the right thing after the mistake is made. For sure. You know, so we want to make sure that human beings are human beings. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit, Joey. I, there was something else that I heard on there that we were just chatting about and I wanted to get more. I think it had to do with the expectations. But while I'm gonna try and gather my thoughts, we're getting towards the end. If you don't mind, Joey, give me the contact information for you again. Yep, the world's okayest mortgage guy, uh, <laughs> Joey Matthews, 630-235-2405. Call or text anytime. Sounds good, the Federal Savings Bank. And I know where I was going, and Steve will get your information in a second. It was going back after, like, if it's a VA mortgage. And we yeah. know that the appraiser is going to come out there, and they're supposed oh, to be yeah. looking for the health and the safety issues. And But there, there is a list. You know, it's a vague list. But mm -hmm. it's, 
you know, it really isn't defined black and white on that list. It's always going to be whatever the appraisers. So we try to yeah. get our guys knowing what they're going to be looking for. But again, every human being is different. So we're never going to be 100% on, you know, if somebody decides that they need a roof certification because there's some lifted or curling shingles or a flat roof that they just can't see, we've mm-hmm. had that happen before. And it's always nice to prepare our client for the worst. And what is that? You prepare for the worst and hope for the best? Mm-hmm. It yep, works. Yep. Steve, give us another contact information for you and say hello to the loved ones again, please. Sure thing. So Steve Budzik with iCandy Realty, cell phone 630-935-0700. Look me up anywhere on social media and reach out always with questions. And yeah, definitely reach out to Steve. Start doing a little bit of stalking of his company. I mean, this whole fix and list thing that he has, I got to tell you, it intrigued me. Um, Before I reached out to him to be on the show here, you know, he would pop up his videos all the time and I would keep looking at these things. And I'm like, this guy's onto something here because you end up getting those those properties that they're they're in depressed neighborhoods, you know, for not all of them, but most of them are. They're in depressed neighborhoods. um, So there's really not a big dollar value market to come in there and do a whole bunch of stuff in there but he's still making it work he makes the house easier to sell he ends up getting the sellers more money for their home and then even if you look at it from the buyer's side even though the buyer might not be his client they're they're getting a move in exactly oh yeah in condition home you know which is pretty amazing when it comes to it um our company name is chicagoland home inspectors our telephone number is area code 312 544-9180 and our website is www.thehomeinspectors and that's O-R-S, it's plural and it's a dot com thehomeinspectors.com Joey, I'm going to throw you a curveball here okay, I want I you like to give it. me some uh, yeah, no prep on this one I want you to you know, give me some good Keywords for a brand new mortgage person entering the business, but you can't uh, use guidelines. <laughs> guidelines, <laughs> guidelines. Not use guidelines. No, Give me I, something I, new to go ahead and help somebody be successful. Fine, I'll go around it. Uh, preparation, preparation, preparation. Right. Um, I love the, it. Yeah, it's be, be ready for your files. Be ready for your contracts. Don't. Uh, just don't be lazy. Don't be freaking lazy. It's it's so easy to be lazy in this business, especially when we were in a refi market because you were just an order taker. Nowadays, like you you, you really have to know your stuff. It's, wouldn't it be yeah. nice if we could? It, wouldn't it be nice if we can go ahead and I don't know, just just have our clients. I don't know. Never mind. They just have our clients ready for everything to be going right all the time. Steve, same yeah. question. You know, if you were to give advice to a brand new real estate agent entering the business, what advice would you give them to be successful and not one of the 90 percenters that end up failing after a couple of years? I would say um, the biggest thing is just stay consistent, right? That's where most agents fail is because they lack consistency. So staying consistent and the whole goal, I don't care any business, especially real estate, is you just have to make yourself known and provide value as much as you can. The value I think is huge. And that's the same in my business too. We have to be valuable for people to wanna come and work with us. And for us, it's gonna end up being the experience. So I'm gonna give a real quick um, shout out again to Susie Whipple of Tasteful Adventures, 630-309-0370. And Anthony Pino of Metro Design Build at 312-535-0800. Steve, Joey, thank you for being on the show. That is all we got right now. And Charlie out. Oops, did I forget about Devin Tingle? And maybe Vince Riccio. producer in the world. Thank you so much.